Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hey, are you guys ready for the Word? Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray you'd help us understand it, that it would enter our souls in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to talk about knowing the Father. You know, it's around this time of year that people celebrate Father's Day. Uh, Some celebrate it last week, some the week after. It doesn't matter when you celebrate it. But the important thing is that we understand that we need to celebrate fatherhood. And the main reason why we celebrate fatherhood is because God is called our Father. Jesus, when teaching us how to pray, the first thing he said is, Our Father who lives in heaven. It's amazing that those who have been reconciled back to God through the blood of Christ, through identifying with Jesus, have the ability to have a relationship with God as Father. The Holy Spirit inside of us cries in our heart, Father, Father. Doesn't cry out general, general, or apostle, apostle, or bishop, bishop. But Father, because God not only loves you, He likes you. And in the same way, a father wants to hug his children and grandchildren. Uh, The Father wants to embrace you, get to know you, and you Him so you could have an exciting relationship with Him. Once you were born again of the Holy Spirit, you become part of God's family. The church is not an institution. It may build institutions, but it's a family. It may have organizations, but it's not an organization. It may have a building, but it's not a building. Church is a family with God as our Father, as the head, and Jesus Christ as our elder brother who brings us back to the Father as the first fruits of those who have been resurrected. And I want us to understand the Father. And we're going to deal with one or two passages today, uh, but we could talk about passages from all over the Bible. But because of the brevity of time, we're just going to deal with a few. And so when we think about fathers and we think about God as Father, The reality is it's hard for many people to connect to God initially when they get saved as a father because of father wounds. Maybe they were abandoned by their father. Maybe they never even knew who their true father was. Maybe their father left the family when they were young. Maybe they had a terrible relationship with their earthly father. There's no perfect father, no perfect mother, no perfect marriage, no perfect children. We know that. And so some of us may have had a bad relationship or no relationship with our Father. And if that's the case, it may be difficult at first to picture God as your Father. And God has mercy on you. And He will process you. But that's why Jesus said, Our Father who is in heaven. He was distinguishing earthly fathers from the one true Father out of which all of us came. He's the Father in heaven. And as you grow, as you know, as you learn, as you begin to understand God's ways, you will be able to embrace Him as your Father, 
even if you had painful experiences in the past. And so as we think about the Father, one of the main reasons why Jesus came was to reveal the Father. It says that he who is in the bosom or the side of the Father has made him known. Jesus said in John 14, 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He didn't mean, as some understand it, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is only one person. No, that's what's called modalism. That's a mistake. That's the Jesus-only people. They're saved, but they're making a mistake. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three different distinct persons. So when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, what he was saying is he only did what he saw the Father do. He only spoke what the Father wanted him to speak. He revealed the heart. He revealed the mind. He revealed the love. He revealed the actions of the Father. And so if you want to know who the Father is, you've got to pour over the Gospels. And Jesus is the exact representation of the Father's being, it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact representation of His being. And so if we want to know God the Father, we need to know God the Son, because God the Son only did what the Father wanted Him to do. And so there's a passage of Scripture that I want to focus on today. Let's turn to the epistle of, John, of James. James was the half-brother of Jesus, so historians tell us. Uh, Jesus had several half-brothers, James, Joseph, um, Simon. He had sisters. It tells us that in Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 6. So James, who eventually became the leader of the early church, wrote this epistle, very, very similar in its construct to a lot of the preaching of Jesus and even the book of Proverbs, with pithy sayings more than narrative. But uh, although Jesus used parables and he used narrative as well. And so as we look at James chapter 1, in verse 17 it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Connecting that attribute of God, of having no shadow of change, then he says, in the context of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So what he's saying there is, God as Father begot children through the preaching of the gospel, through the word of truth. And so that's why it's important for us to understand the whole purpose of the gospel is not just so that we could be saved and go to heaven, but as God's children represent him as his image bearers on the earth. So going back to verse 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. So why does he say every good and perfect gift? Well, first of all, there are certain things that we pray for that we desire that God doesn't want to give us. Some people say, well, God didn't answer my prayer, and they get upset. Well, God did answer your prayer. If he didn't say anything or if he didn't give you what you wanted, then his answer is no. I thank God that God hasn't answered all my prayers. I thank God that God hasn't given me everything I requested or everything I desired because God knows the beginning from the end and 
He knows that some of the things that I wanted would have been detrimental to me or would have distracted me from my destiny. And so he tells us every good gift. In Matthew chapter 7, I believe it's starting in verse 9, Jesus said that uh, if you go to your father and you ask him for a fish, will he give you a scorpion? If you ask him for bread, will he give you a stone? He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So there he's saying that even though an earthly father has the capacity to do good things, how much more is God the Father good and wants to give us good things? So what James is saying is every good and perfect gift, not just good gifts. A good gift could mean that you, know, you, you make a lot of money. Uh, it could mean that something good happens to you. But he says perfect and good, meaning not every good thing is a God thing because it could distract you. Some people are praying that they win the lotto, but winning the lotto, if you don't know how to manage money, actually could destroy your life. As we found, most people who won the lotto uh, went into great debt and had terrible experiences with their life. A lot of young athletes who become multimillionaires wind up getting involved in gambling and illicit affairs and mess up their life because they never had money before. They never had to manage it. So the Bible says every good and perfect gift, meaning he will give you what you have matured to receive. The word perfect means mature. And so he's teaching us that God will give us what he could trust us with. God will give us with that which we have the capacity to manage. He will never give us more than we could manage. That's why if you get involved in business ventures or different things that God never led you into, or that was unbiblical or uh, not, not ethical, and you went on, on your own and did it, and you wind up getting a windfall of money or business, eventually it may destroy your life or destroy your family. So he said every good and perfect gifts. He wants you to be mature. He wants you to be able to receive it. And so we need to trust the Father's love for us, that in his goodness, he will give us gifts. He will give us good gifts, but he will only give us good gifts that are perfect, that fit our life, our character, and our assignment. And then he says, it's from above that is distinguished from what's from beneath. When Jesus was dialoguing with some of the religious leaders, we find in John chapter 8, verse 43, that he said that these religious leaders had a father who was from below. He said, your father is the devil. And he said, you don't know the love of God. He said, if God were your father, you would love me. And so when it says the gifts are from above, it's distinguished from the gifts that are below. You know, the devil could give you gifts. The devil can mimic even some of the spiritual gifts. The devil counterfeits everything God wants to do. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, a single person is believing that God is going to bring the right person in their life. The devil could bring you the wrong person and God will allow it as a test to see if you're really going to wait on him. The devil could bring the wrong job to you before the right job comes. He could bring the, uh, the devil could tempt you with the wrong opportunities. And so we need to understand that the gifts from God come from above and not from below. And we understand when it's from the Father, God, and not from the devil 
when it says he's the father of lights. And so he begins to describe the attributes of God. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, John says about God, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That means there's no sin. There's no sneakiness. There's no shadow. There's nothing God has to hide. He's not surreptitious. He's not a con artist. He doesn't have bad agendas. He doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need anything from humanity. He doesn't need anything in the world. He says that the whole world is mine. And so because the world is his, he doesn't need us. So he doesn't have to manipulate us to get what he wants. And so as we understand this, we realize that there is no darkness in God. He is the father of lights. He lives in resplendent, translucent light where no man could approach or see. He is a God who has power and essence and glory and strength and honor and majesty who dwells and surrounds himself with light. It tells us in Psalm 104, he clothes himself with light as though it were a garment. And so when it says God is light, it's talking about there's no sin, there's no darkness, there's nothing evil, and there's nothing that he is ashamed of or has to hide from. That's the Father that we serve. There are a lot of people with hidden agendas. That's not God. There are a lot of people who con you. That's not God. There's a lot of people who will shadow you. That's not God. There's a lot of people who will say one thing and mean another. That's not God. God doesn't lie. God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't uh, say one thing and mean another. If God says something, he will back it up. As long as we keep our word with God, he will be able to bless us and he'll be able to use us um, as we follow his instructions. So God is light. And along with that, he says, with whom there is no variation. God is the same today, yesterday, forever and forevermore. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever because he's God the Son. The Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today and forever. The Godhead never changes. There's no variation. He's not in state, unstable. He's not uh, responding and reacting to the issues and problems of the world. He's not taken by surprise by anything that's going on. He's never shocked with anything that happens. He is always the same. It doesn't mean he's non-emotional. God grieves. God cries. God mourns. God is grieved with the sins of humanity. God weeps over his people as we see. Jesus wept over Jerusalem and he was reflecting the Father's heart and he said, oh, how I long to gather you under my wings. And so the Father weeps and longs for us and longs and desires to have a relationship with us, longs to steer us in the right direction and uh, make us understand that he is good, that we could trust him, that there is no shadow of turning. That there is no reason why we can't give our life to him. There's no reason why we can't fully surrender to him because he has good and perfect gifts, not just good gifts for us. And so he yearns to have a relationship with us. And the reason why we could trust him is because there's no variation. The way God dealt with Israel in delivering them from Pharaoh is the same God today. The way God 
was with Elijah. He's the same God today. The way God was with Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah and Mordecai and Esther and Nehemiah and Ezra and all the prophets. He's the same God today that he was for them. He will be for you. The way Jesus healed the sick, the way Jesus intervened on our behalf, the way Jesus interfered with Satan's plans for those who lived during the time of his incarnation. He's the same Jesus who went about doing good and healing all that was sick and oppressed to the devil. He wants to heal us. He wants to restore us. He wants to bring us back to the Father. He wants to give us life and a more abundant life. The way he was in the Gospels, he's the same today. And he wants us to experience the Gospels in our own very life. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in the world. We are supposed to not only experience the same Jesus, but we are supposed to be the vehicle to represent God's goodness to the world by being like Jesus, by being filled with Jesus, by walking with Jesus, by being filled with the knowledge of his word. So when it says that there's no variation or shadow of turning, there's no hidden agenda, the God of the Bible is the same God we could believe today. We could take him at his word. That's why we need to pour over his word. That's why we need to know his word. That's why we know uh, that the more the word we get in our hearts, the more we have to resist the enemy, the more we have to believe God, to walk in the assignment and in the fullness of life that God has planned for all those who love him. And then he connects the attributes of God, of the knowledge of God that he just talked about, which we see all over the Bible, Verse 18, of his own will he begot us or brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Meaning, he wants to make a new species of humanity. That was his desire when he brought Jesus. He was the first fruits of those who rose from the dead, meaning all of us are going to follow in his steps. We became his children. Jesus was the only begotten Son, but we are sons of God when we are born again. And our main call in life is to reflect the goodness of God to humanity, to be ambassadors for God, to reconcile people back to the Father. And the only way to do that is to be born again. He brought us forth in the King James says he begot us. That's similar to the term Jesus used in John 3 when he said you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. You need to be born again to be like Jesus. You need to be born again to be a child of the Father. God the Father doesn't have grandchildren. Even if you were born in a Christian uh, family, doesn't mean that you yourself are a Christian. You have to receive Christ. Just because you go to a church building on Sunday doesn't mean you're a Christian. In the same way, just because you go into a barn, it doesn't make you a horse or it doesn't make you a farmer or a sheep or a cow. And so you could go to a church building every week. You could have Christian parents, but you need to be born again. God loved you so much that he wants to give you a new heart, a new spirit. He wants to bring you forth into the world as a new creation so you could be a sort of first fruits, meaning you could be a special breed of people, a new species of people that are like God in the earth. 
When Christians act like the world, they are not walking out in their destiny to be like the Father. And so today I want to pray for you. If you've fallen away from God, if you've not been acting like God, if you've not allowed the goodness of God to be something that you trust, if you've uh, accused God or been mad at God, you don't understand that good and perfect things come from above. So you didn't get what you wanted. It's not because God doesn't love you or because God isn't real. It's because it wasn't good for you. Anything God gives us is good for us, even if it causes challenges in our life. Someone said, uh, God gave us marriage not to be happy, but to be holy. Just because you're struggling in your marriage doesn't mean you should be mad at God or think that, well, God deceived you because he shouldn't have gave me this particular man or husband or wife. Uh, maybe you did marry outside of God's will initially. But the point is, if God led you into this marriage, it doesn't mean it's all going to be easy. It's a good and perfect gift. It's something that will make you mature. One of the greatest designs of marriage is to make you mature, to make you holy. And everything God brings your way has a prerequisite in which you have to mature in order to steward the gifts God has given you so that you could grow and be more and more like God. The greatest desire any of us should ever have in our life is not to just receive gifts from God, but to know the giver of the gifts. The greatest gift that we have in the world, the greatest desire any of us should ever have in our life is to know the God of the Bible and to be like Him and to represent Him. The word represent means represent. The more like God we are, the more we represent Him to the world. The way Jesus presented the Father 2,000 years ago when He walked on the earth in the flesh, the church is called to represent the Father as a sort of first fruits of his creation to reveal his love to a lost world. And so if you have fallen away from God, I want to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus and if you don't know the love of the Father, I want you to receive that today. I beg you, if you've fallen away from God because you've been lied to by the evil one, because he didn't give you what you wanted, you got angry or cynical, about God because of maybe even Christians or the church you got hurt in. God is saying, I'm good. If it's perfect and if it's good, it comes from above. Anything else comes from below. Don't accuse God. Come back to God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for every person who has heard this message. I pray that you would bring them back to yourself, that they would stop accusing you, that they would know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. I pray, O oh Lord, that they would know your good and perfect will by offering themselves to you fully, surrendering their life. Oh, that every backslider, that every person who's turned away from you in their heart, that every person who stopped walking with you, that hears this message, that your grace will be poured out, that they will return to their Father God, their Creator, that they'd be restored back. I pray for those who don't know you, that they would be born again, that they would be a first fruits of your creation, that they would be the children of God that distinguishes them from every other person and every other subgroup and people group in the world. 
I pray that they would know you. In Jesus' name. If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. God is good all the time. God is good. If you believe Jesus died on the cross for you and that three days later he rose from the dead, the Bible says if you confess or admit with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Not might be. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Beloved, that's for you. If you don't know Jesus, he wants you to know him. Without Jesus, there's no peace. If you know Jesus, you will know peace for the first time in your life. So if you want Jesus in your life, why don't you repeat this prayer after me? It's not more important because I'm praying it. If you mean it with your heart, you will be saved. Say this after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've offended you. I've not served you my, my whole life. And right now I'm coming back to you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for being punished for my sins. Thank you that you love me so much that you obeyed the Father and died. Please come in my life. Take me, I'm yours. I will live for you all the days of my life by the power of your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit now so I can live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, it's only a decision, but you'll only be a true Christ follower if you follow through. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You have to continue in his word. And in order to continue in his word, you really need to connect with the church. So please give us your information. There'll be instructions during this broadcast. And we want to reach out to you. We want to help you with your new walk. And if you're not near our church geographically, we'll help you find a good church. But you need a good church, a family of God that preaches the word of God to help you in your walk. God bless you. I can't wait to see your face. If you do uh, decide to come to our church, please introduce yourself to me. Bless you. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.